3: Alright, everybody. It is Thursday, January 26th, 2023, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. For those who couldn't make it live, you're probably listening on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Hack. Hope everyone's having a fantastic week. We're already at Thursday, and normally in the MMA space, we have things to look forward to. Luckily, we have wonderful folks in the Twitter community, like Rebecca Hitman will tell you what is going on in the MMA world, but as far as the UFC goes, Bellator goes, some of the majors, no card this Saturday, no card this Saturday, but the UFC is back next Saturday and uh, kind of a tough hang, to be honest with you, but Derek Lewis seems to be in tremendous shape He has heard some of the negative comments about that event and people feeling like Derek Lewis doesn't deserve maybe the shine that he once did. But listen, it's not that in a lot of people's minds and who are we to complain when there's other folks around the world who have to watch these cards at just ridiculous hours. Randomly here in the U S that main card starts at 1 a.m. Eastern. So some eye rolls there. But before that, Bellator is back, and they have their network television debut. They'll be on CBS, Bellator 290. The final fight of Fedor Milianenko as he challenges Ryan Bader for the heavyweight title. We have Johnny Eblen, Anatoly Tokov for the middleweight title, and then we have an absolute barn burner between Brennan Ward and Saba Homasi kicking off that card. So next Saturday, lots to talk about. We're still sort of on the heels of... UFC 283 and Jamal Hill's incredible win and sort of the divisiveness with where he is ranked and how people view him right now after beating Glover Teixeira. Glover Teixeira now retired. Brandon Moreno is the undisputed flyweight champion of the world. Great win for Gilbert Burns. He's teasing potentially fighting in London. I have no idea what's going on there. Good win for Johnny Walker. Great win for Jessica Andrade. We talked about the Laura Murphy situation a little bit on Tuesday. Her reaction to the corner not stopping the fight. I gave my thoughts on that. But we've had some news since we last spoke, including yesterday, early afternoon, we reported that the Bantamweight title fight between Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo is being targeted for UFC 287 on April 8th. That word targeted is an important word, and I will explain in a matter of moments. And then, of course, people are getting excited about this. And then a tweet comes from Ali Abdelaziz, who tweets two words, fake news. And, of course, I was made aware of that. Now, to be honest with you, I was not working yesterday. I was at my kid's school volunteering all day. It was just such a crazy day. I won't get into it. But uh, I, when I volunteered to do this, I thought I'd be at the school for like three hours. I was at that school from 7.15 to 3. And it was fun at times and a nightmare at other times. But that's neither here nor there. So when I confirmed this news, I was there. But let's go back and talk about this fake news thing. Uh, here's what I'll say. One... And I'm not going to tell you why. Because if I told you why, it would be a whole different conversation. But here's a couple of things that that fake news tweet should tell you. One, Ali is not a fan of MMA fighting right now. He's not thrilled with us uh, for a particular reason. And I'm not going to tell you why. Uh, It's just, I'm just not going to. Uh, But he's not overly thrilled with, with us for a certain reason. And that's okay. And the other thing is, if you go back into the annals of time, when Ali says something is fake news, it usually isn't fake news. It usually is like additional confirmation that things are happening. So let me, let me tell you how this all came to be. It was Tuesday night. I get a message from somebody who 1000% knows what is happening in this situation. If I told you the name, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this person definitely knows what's going on. And this person tells me that Henry Cejudo is fighting April 8th. And, of course, I follow up. And I'm like, oh, really? And he said, yep. And I said, is he fighting Aljamain Sterling or is he fighting Sean O'Malley? And then I didn't get a response till like, 11 a.m. yesterday morning. Says Aljamain Sterling. I'm like, okay, this person definitely knows now here's the thing about reporting fights there are some people out there in the journalistic space who would take that information and just go on twitter and say this is done this fight's happening or use the word breaking this fight's happening april they would take what i was told and report that as fact without confirming anything else we here at mba fighting do not do that we don't just take one person's word we have to make sure it's legit So, what do we do in that situation? You have to get a second source. And if you read the actual article, you think with how specific that is laid out that we would just make that up, that it's fake? Of course not. Look how specific that write-up is. And the one side of the table that would be the most questionable in this situation is where the specifics came from. You don't think we reached out to multiple sides to see if this was, uh, this is a thing? And it's important to note, and we wrote it in the article multiple times, is this isn't a done deal. There's no contracts. They haven't signed anything yet. But I can assure you with complete confidence that this is the fight the UFC wants on that card. This is the one. This is where, the, this is where all the discussions are going as of right now. It is going towards April 8th. It is going towards UFC 287 for this fight. Do I think Ali probably didn't read the headline and probably didn't read the article? That would be my guess. He probably just saw the two names, people reacting to it, thinking that maybe we reported the fight was a done deal and tweeted out fake news. But in reality, it's not a done deal. And we told you that a million times. That's why the word targeted was used. Because if you use the word targeted, that means it's in the works. Both sides are aware of it. And in some Kate, in most cases, both sides are preparing for that date for that opponent. Aljamain Sterling obviously has the bicep injury. He's rehabbing it as we speak. He even tweeted out yesterday, things are heading in the right direction. So the fight's not done. He's a he's the biggest factor here. Because if his rehab goes according to plan, that's, pro- that's the fight. But if it doesn't, then they have to just sh- sort of shift gears at this point. But I can tell you, this is not fake news. This we 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 got both sides of the equation confirming that this is what's on the table. This is what's being discussed. This is how it's looking. This is where we're at right now. Now, if we now if we reported if the headline said Aljamain versus Henry Cejudo set for UFC two eighty seven on April eighth, yes, that would be fake news because it is not set. It is not signed. That's different. It's different terminology. If you see in the works, are targeted, that means this is the direction that everybody seems to be leaning right now. Everybody is in. If it happens, it's going to happen that date. But it all depends on Aljamain at this point. Can he come back? Will the rehab go well? But this is the fight that's being discussed for UFC 287. I can assure you of that. It's not fake news. It is not fake news. From the sources that we got this information from, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, it's not fake news. So don't let that fool you. And as I said earlier, most times when those tweets come out, there's reasons behind them. And most times when the fake news tweets come out, it means we're on to something. So I'm not backing away from it. It's good reporting. It's exactly what it says it is. We didn't tell you anything that wasn't true. That's what is being targeted for that card. There you go. There's my response. There's my answer. So there you go. Take that for what you want, but that's it. Now, if I'm wrong, like if I, was, if I was dead wrong, I would come on here and say I was dead wrong, but I'm not. We have enough from both sides of the table that tells me we're not wrong. So now if it doesn't happen to UFC 287, that doesn't mean that we're wrong. It means both sides are preparing for April 8th, it means Aljamain can't probably can't fight on that date because of the bicep. But if he can go, it's going to happen that date. I can tell you right now, Henry Cejudo is preparing to fight Aljamain Sterling April eighth. So there you go. There's my response to the fake news because it's not fake news. And there's the answer. So I'm going to go to you guys. We could talk about whatever the hell you want because there's a lot going on in mma as, as always including conor mcgregor apparently is teasing that he might be coaching the next season of the ultimate fighter and i don't even know what to say about all of this so i don't even know who was first i have no idea i believe it was tristan so we'll start there and then uh we're just going to get after this thing tristan hello
4: hey mike uh can you hear me yep okay um yeah, I saw that too with Conor McGregor. I, I think everybody will watch if Conor McGregor does come back, unfortunately. But it is what it is on that, on that front, if that happens. Um, my question to you is towards Gilbert Burns. Now, he did, you said he did tweet that he may be on that London card. But is I, I think the fight to make between him is him and Bilal Muhammad. And hypothetically, if that fight does happen who do you have winning that fight? Because I think I'm going to have to pick Bilal on that one. And if Bilal wins, do you feel like he has, he has to get a title shot no matter what, because you go out there and beat the what? And uh, you go out there and you're ahead of Gilbert Burns in the right, in the UFC official rankings. But if that fight happens, who do you have winning that fight? Because I, I really think they have to book that fight. I think that's the fight to make. And then, um, in regards of Hamza Tremaiev, I was talking to AK about this. We were messing with each other back and forth. I, I don't look at Hamza anymore as a one seventy. I don't think he can make that weight and I don't think he will. Um, it just it doesn't make sense to me. I look him I look at him as a middleweight and um, I you know, people are looking to match him up against Kobe Covington or match him up against um, Leon Edwards and even um, having the dream in the future of having Shafqab Rockbana versus Hamza. And I, I, I just look at it like you guys got to – people have to look out of that turns and look at him as a middleweight of a future fight, maybe with Bo Nico later down the road or fighting, you know, Polo Costa if he decides to resign or um, against uh, Pereira, you know, Alex Pereira. So that's how I look at him more because I, I I, no longer think, I really feel in my heart that I don't think he can make 170 again. And it's just too much of a risk for the UFC to book him for a 170 fight and, like, teetering on nervousness is like, can he make the weight? Can he make the weight? Can he make the weight? And if we have a weigh-in, sh- if you guys have a weigh in show, and what's going to happen if he's the last one out or it's been a while since he got on the scale, it's like two hours and we're still waiting, we're going to be like, I don't think he's going to make the weight. And that's how it is in my my mindset. I look at Hamza now as a middleweight. What do you feel, Mike? And uh, thanks for everything.
3: Thanks, man. So Hamza's a big mystery. I wish I had a good answer for you, but I don't. I have no idea what he's going to do. Dana has said many. Dana White has said many times that uh, he's going to give him another shot at one seventy. I feel like the bigger fights for him are at one seventy right now. Cause he's going to have like, he's not just going to get into a title fight either way. It's just not going to happen. So if if he's going to fight a one seventy, he's going to fight Colby. And that makes all the sense in the world. Cause that's probably right now. And this is the UFC and it's meritocracy doesn't mean anything. And the rankings are just there for graphics. Really. They don't really mean anything. They just want to put the biggest fights together. So I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know If, if, Hamza comes out and says, I'm never fighting a welterweight again. Cool. If he comes out and says, I am going to be the welterweight champion at the end of the year, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt to try. As far as Gilbert goes, I mean, him and Bilal on that card in London makes all the sense in the world to me. And that card's solid, but it could use a little bit of a boost if we're being honest. I love the Gaethje-Fazee fight, and you just chuck – I mean, who's going to complain about throwing Gilbert and Bilal in, like, the featured spot? Plus, you got backups for if you need them for either guy. And that would be a legit number one contender fight. And if Bilal wins, he's fighting whoever wins. If Burns wins and Usman wins, then, you know, maybe that's a little different. But Gilbert did have his moments against Usman, dropped him, looks like he might have was going to become the champion and then Usman did Usman things and ended up finishing Gilbert instead so yeah I if they book that fight if they book that fight for London then it kind of answers your other question if that makes sense it kind of answers your other question of will Hamza fight at 170 or will he move up at least to me if they booked Burns Bilal like that quickly, like less than two months and throw it on that card. There's a specific purpose for that. And it'll probably be the the, the new number one contender fight, which I'm fine with, which I'm fine with. If you're going to throw Gilbert or Bilal in there with anybody, it's with each other. I think that's the fight to make. That's the fight to make. I know Bilal wanted Hamzat. He did a little bit better this time with the call out. So I appreciate that. But I don't see any of those guys getting Colby at this point. I don't think Colby's going to rush back to fight Gilbert Burns or rush back to fight Bilal. I think he would I think he would come back for Hamzat. I really do. A lot of people feel like he's like too scared to fight Hamzat, which I don't understand because I actually think stylistically Colby matches up pretty well with him, especially if Colby can survive the early onslaught. If Colby can get it to like the 3rd round and start to cook that fight becomes really compelling. And it'd be the, the toughest fight of uh, Hamza Jamaev's career, that's for damn sure. So we'll see what happens. But to me, if they book Burns versus Bilal on, on that London card, then that kind of answers your other question. And probably can expect Hamza to go up to 185 and fight somebody up there.
0: The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down.
5: Hello. Hey, Hello. Hey. So I wanted to ask you a question. Um, one as for the Cejudo, um Sterling, what's it called? Um, matchup. Would O'Malley be a backup? You would think because he doesn't have a fight book. Um, Sanhagen Cheeto's are gonna be happening in a couple of weeks. Would that make the most sense in the world? As for, um, O'Malley being a potential backup and is there any like is there anything set have they announced anything or have you heard anything if it's going to be miami or brooklyn as for april 8th and um what's it called and as for the marab peter yawn fight that's at the virgin hotels if i'm not mistaken correct yes okay um that that card is actually coming a little bit um together have they announced anything about like ticket sales or anything of that nature all right, I just wanted to know about that. All right, thanks,
3: Mike. Thanks, man. Uh, not really sure. They probably did. I have to go in my emails and, and check it out. I'm sure they sent something out about that. So, yeah. I honestly I honestly don't know because I don't buy tickets, so I don't really look into that all that much. But I love the fact that they're going there. Like, I don't want to turn this into a whole Apex thing, but, yeah, I love the fact that they're going that they're going to just like a smaller venue. Like it kind of has that old school Monday Night Raw vibe, that sort of ECW vibe, where the people who are there are going to be into it and there's going to be a crowd and there's going to be some electricity. And and I love that. O'Malley, like, I don't know if he'll be your, like quintessential backup. Like, I don't know if he's going to weigh in or anything like that. Uh, but I would feel pretty confident that if Sterling can't go April 8th, that the rehab doesn't go the way it's supposed to. And he's delayed. I don't think they're going to wait for Aljo. And I don't know this for sure, but that's just what my gut is telling me because this fight was kind of slated for March 4th. They were going to try to get it there. It didn't work. Sterling said, I need a month. They gave him the month. And, if he can go, great. If he can't, I don't think they're going to kind of change course. I, I think they'll probably go Sahudo O'Malley for an interim title and then the winner fights Aljo when he's ready to come back. Like, that's the way I would do it at this point. As far as location goes, as we reported, Brooklyn, Miami are in play. Uh, I've also been told that MSG is in play. So, But there's no answer to this question yet. Nobody knows any it's still TBD, like even the the recent fighters who got contracts for fights, the location still says TBD. so um, but Brooklyn is in play. Miami is in play. and kind of a late addition to this race is NSG is apparently in play as well. Now I don't have any, I don't know wh- which direction they're leaning, where they're going. Um, I know there are other reports that are talking about Miami in May. I had not heard anything about that. Uh, the, only play, the, only, the only card I was told Miami was in play, uh, and this is from multiple people, multiple managers, uh, was the April 8th card. So, I don't know. There's also, like, some logistics, too, to, to all of this, because remember members being reported that Amanda Nunes is going to fight Irini Aldana on March 4th. Now it's being told – now now apparently Kambache has come back and said that that fight is no longer in the works, that Amanda wants Aldana and Pena to fight, and then she would fight the winner, and it doesn't seem like Pena is in any hurry to fight anybody else besides Nunez. So, Because you would think if they were going to go to Miami, it's probably for Amanda, right? Because she trains at ATT, or we used to train at ATT, but she trains out of that area – So it makes sense to throw Nunez on that card to get kind of the local hometown pop, if you will. And we also don't we don't know if Valentina Shevchenko is fighting Alexa Grasso March 4th. Again, we've talked about this before being reported that it's happening March 4th. I'm here to tell you that is not done yet. The fight is going to happen. But we don't know if it's happening March 4th yet. We've been told from both sides of the table. We both agreed to the fight. The date is still up in the air. So I don't know. There's a lot of moving pieces and I don't know where this card's going to happen April 8th, but those are the three locations that I've been told Brooklyn. It was 50, 50 Brooklyn, Miami for about a week and a half. And then as of maybe a week ago, apparently MSG might be in play as well. So that's where we're at right now. And we'll see how this comes together because These things come real quick. Tom, hello. Hey, what's up, Mike? It's
5: good, good. It's pretty funny you actually just hit on it at the end of the other question there because that was going to be my question. With Amanda taking off the possibility of fighting March 4th, are there any other big fights you've heard rumored that may be on there? I know you probably can't give us exact names, but are there any more big fights going for that card? I assume with it being John's return, they're going to stack it, so... Didn't know if you had heard of anything else going
3: to replace it or anything like that. Um, I mean, probably Shevchenko Grasso would be the one. Let me pull up that card. Um, because even, like I told you guys, let me pull up the card, UFC 285. Like I told you guys, Nunez Aldana was not done for that card and neither was the flyweight title fight. And still not done. I'm looking at a topology right now. They still have it up there. It's not done. I believe as of yesterday, we... we yeah, it was yesterday. I think I reached back out on Tuesday to one source. Um, and then we reached out to the other side, and we were told the same thing. No date yet. What do we have here? Viviani Arujo, Amanda Hibas. We have Derek Brunson, Dirkus Duplessis, We have Jeff Neal, Shafkat Rachmanov, Jamie Pickett, Bo Nickel... Cody Garbrandt, Julio Arce. I would say if they're going to add anything to this, it's probably the Shevchenko fight if they just figure out the date. Other than that, look, you don't need it. You got enough on there. You got the return of John Jones, the heavyweight titles on the line. I like. I don't think they're going to stack it. I don't think they need to. You got enough story here, anyways. You got. Brunson Duplassi, you got Trofcott on the card against Jeff Neal, O'Nickel making his debut. You got enough juice here to build up to that. They just, uh, we just confirmed Jalen Turner, Dan Hooker's happening on that card. They got enough. Like, those five fights right there could be your main card. Or you could chuck Cody Garbrandt, Julio Arce on that main card. Like, you got enough there to build up to the title fight. Because that's what that's what's selling the pay-per-view. Even if they add a second title fight, if they add Shevchenko-Grasso to this card, is it going to be a huge difference in pay-per-view buys? No, I don't think so. It's just, for those who are going to watch it, it's just an extra cherry on top of the Sunday. And you don't want to run into a situation where you just overload one card, and then when we get to April 8th with so much kind of unsurety, you just don't have enough juice left in the squeeze. Because look at UFC 282. Look at that card. Kind of just all fell apart. And we were left with Nikolaev and Blahovich and Patty in the co So we'll see, we'll see what ends up happening. But if they're going to add a second fight, it will be the Shevchenko fight. Um, but like I've told you for well over a week now, that fight is not done for March 4th. Let's go to the dapperly dressed The Notorious JP. Hello, The Notorious JP. Are you there? I hear nothing. JP, try again. Um, Viking's been waiting for a little bit, so we'll get my man Viking in here. I have a feeling I know one of the questions he's going to ask, and I think... He will like the answer to this question. I think a lot of you will also like the answer to this question if I am to read Viking MMA in the direction he's going with this question. Hello, Viking. Yes, sir.
6: How are you? I'm I'm all good. Um, uh, just uh, want to okay. ask about uh, power slap. I just want to talk about power slap mm-hmm. so someone revealed that uh, a pay of uh, power slap uh, slappers you could say that two and two so what are your thoughts on that uh, and uh, I, I remember you were saying that you know Bilal had a chance to call out Hamzat when he one against uh, Vincent De Luque. Instead of that, he called out Kobe. And Gilbert Burns um, did the same thing. And so, uh, would you say the same thing about Gilbert Burns? That Because Kobe is not fighting. I think it seems that he's not going to fight soon. So, what are your thoughts on that? And would you say... Same thing about Gilbert Burns, about the call out of Kobe Govington. Thank you. Man.
3: Thanks, man. Oh, you did not ask the question I thought you were going to ask, but I'll answer what I thought you were going to ask after. Uh, Power slap. Yeah, I saw Eric Spicely and the, the, the tweets and the subsequent reports. And yeah, it just adds to the stupidity of the entire thing. I cannot like, I think around three o'clock today, we'll find out what the ratings were for that. And I mean, honestly, to me, just, I'm not Dave Meltzer. I'm not someone who follows the ratings all that much and like, understand them. But I understand that last week's ratings was, was a a disaster and it's atrocious, especially with the lead in of AEW. Now, A.W. put on a massive show yesterday, last night, to lead into that power slap, including Mark Briscoe in the main events in sort of a tribute to his brother who passed away the week before. And that's a very, very big deal. So I would assume that A.W.'s rankings, ratings were better than they were last week. I would say they're probably in the million, like a million plus going into power slap. If power slap doesn't pull a big, like a decent sized number coming out of that. Boy, I I mean, it's going to be hanging. It's going to be officially hanging on by a thread at that point. Cause AEW gave them two pretty significant gifts, this one in particular. So I'm very curious to see how they bounce back or if they bounce back or if they lose viewership. Um, because Mark Briscoe, Jay Lethal in the main event, it was set up to get ratings. Um, and it was the right thing to do. And it should have happened the week before, if we're being honest. They allowed AEW to do the tribute to Jay Briscoe, which it didn't allow last week, which was bullshit. And they did it this week. So we'll see what happens with the ratings. The Gilbert call out I've said it. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Especially with where the build was throughout the week and throughout the build to his fight with Neil Magny. It was Mazadal and it was Bilal. So I thought it was going to be one of those two guys. And then he, out of nowhere, called out Colby. It makes more sense to me for Burns to call Colby because Burns fought Hamzat and almost beat him. And Burns fought Usman for the belt and gave him a tough fight. So I feel like he was kind of in a better spot to make that call than Bilal, who's been on fire. Don't get me wrong. I've been super impressed with that guy. But I still didn't love it. And I've said it publicly a couple times. Didn't love it. He just called out Bilal. Would have made a ton more sense if he called out Mazdal. I know he's Mazdal's coming up the losses and he's unranked. But for months, for months in 2022, those two have been going back and forth. So I kind of felt... He was going to go one of those two directions, but he didn't. He went with Colby. Okay, but he's probably still going to get Bilal anyway, so doesn't really hurt him that much. The problem with Bilal was when he did it, he didn't get Colby. He didn't get Burns. He didn't get Moss at all. He got Sean Brady, and probably not the direction he wanted to go. We'll see what happens. Didn't love it. I thought you were going to ask about BTL today, uh, so I will let you know what's going on. Um, Some people have loved sort of the Talking Heads editions of the show, where it's either me and Jed or me and somebody else, and we just kind of hit record and go. Uh, We're going back to the competitive format today. Jed Mishu will be back on the program, and we'll be joined by Brian Campbell from Morning Combat. He will join us at 12.30 p.m. Eastern. So should be a lot of fun. The takes will be fiery, I'm sure. And it will be a fun episode. So join us 12.30 p.m. Eastern for that on the YouTube channel. Right, Terrence, hello. How you doing?
7: Good, how are you? I'm good, thanks for asking. Um, you kind of talked about them a little bit, and somebody else asked questions about um, Amanda and her unwillingness to fight. So I just wanted to ask you a question in regards to like that, like how do you view her as a champion? I personally think that she is like, this is kind of harsh, but she's kind of like one of like the worst champions like in, in respect of like, the UFC because of the fact that she doesn't defend her belt. Or like she'll have a scheduled fight and then like a month beforehand, she'll like pull out and then they have to reschedule it. Like this happened a few times, you look at her topology. And only good thing we've gotten out of her is the fact that we gotten her last minute cancellation is the reason why the first Figgy and Moreno fight happened. Like, I'm just wondering, like, what's your thought process on, like, that do you think it's fair? I think she's the reason that the division is, like, stalling because of the fact that if you don't have a champion that's active, then you don't have people that are as active in the weight class because they're all like, oh, maybe she'll pick me type situation and she hasn't defended her 145 belt in, like, over two years. Like, that should be just, like, just get rid of the if they're going to do that, stop playing games with it. Um, And then the last thing I want to talk about, I saw Joanna's back at AT AT&T. That doesn't mean that she's back, per se, but she did come back for her final fight, like she said she wanted to do, or she talked about doing. Who do you want to see her matched up against and why?
3: That's all. Thank you. Hmm. It's a good question. I'll probably answer it more when like if she announces she's coming back. Now I talked I talked to Joanna International Fight Week. She sat down Radio Row with me and we talked and I've talked about this before. My gut told me coming out of that conversation that she's not done. That she is not done. And that was in July. So what I think, and I don't know this for sure. So don't be going up being like, oh, Mike's saying this. No. What I think is happening is that she is testing out whether or not she wants to come back. Like if she goes to ATT and trains for a bit, and maybe she puts herself through like a mock training camp and is like, okay, I'm good. Then I think she comes back. If she goes through training and, you know, if she does a mock camp or not and she just doesn't get that same buzz, then she'll just train and won't come back. So if she came back, would I be shocked? No, I wouldn't, because I got that feeling in July, like she ain't done, because I asked her questions, and she answered them as if, hey, let's let's come back and do this. So who she would fight, I don't know. And to answer your other question about Amanda Nunes, look, she fought in July. It's not like she hasn't fought in 18 months, and we all know what the featherweight division and the title is like at this point. Like, we all are on the same page. It's just there, so Amanda can have two titles. Other than that, makes no sense, because there's no division, there's nobody there. The other thing is, look at the Bantamweight division. Holy smokes. That is a... and We have a dilemma every time we do our rankings for MMA fighting, for this division in particular, because... There's like twenty, there's like twenty three fighters, like in the division right now. Like Bellator doesn't have a women's band of weight division. It's a mess. There's like barely enough to fill a top fifteen in the UFC right now. It's crazy. So if a man and, and after the Juliana Pena fight, Amanda Nunes is like, I'm taking time off. Like I'm gonna be out for a while. So. I'm just letting you know. Be out for a while. She had the Pena loss. She worked her ass off to get back. She beat beat up Pena. one sided victory, and she said she's going to take time. So, if she like, I if they're going to throw her somewhere, I thought maybe they chuck her on the 283 card. Like if they, obviously the light heavyweight division became a mess and. We got Glover in the main event, so that worked out. But I thought like they were going to throw Nunes on that card somewhere to defend one of the belts. That didn't happen. We saw the report from March 4th. And, and by the way, they weren't, that report was not wrong either. It's, it wasn't fake news because the report said that the UFC wants to put that fight together for that card. They didn't say it was done. They said they wanted it on that card. It's something they were thought they were discussing, and that's what the report said. And then people came on and said, "Oh, it's a done deal." No, it wasn't done. Just like Valentina Shevchenko versus Alexa, Alexa Grasso, all that that fight is happening. We just need a date. The nunes Aldana one was a little bit different. I mean, I don't like. I I don't blame her. At this point, like I, I think we're all in the the same boat here. There's probably at best three more Manny Nunes fights we're gonna get. We might even get that. We've been talking about it for two years. This could we all like every time in the to the next one prediction show we always get is a Man and Nunes gonna retire this year? Like it happens on and on, and we think that it might every single time. So, for her, it's just she probably just wants big fights at this point. If she doesn't feel like Aldana's the, the top gal or Painty deserves it or anybody else deserves it, then she can do that. She's earned that right. But this division, this, this division is just bad. Like, it's just really bad. We need, like, it's just there's nobody there. I mean, Aldana's at least a new name. Vieira was right there, and then she lost to Raquel Pennington. Pennington already fought Nunez for the belt and got destroyed. Holly Holmes gotten 17,000 title shots. Pena beat Nunez, but also got kind of wrecked in the second fight. Who else is there? Panny Kianza, Macy Chieson coming off a loss, Carol Hosa. Coming off a win, but she lost the fight before. Lena Landsberg's lost three in a row. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I honestly don't know what they're going to do with this division. I don't know if Amanda sits out. Like, is it the worst thing in the world? Like, let's just get fights on the books. Like, when we got the Pennington Vienna fight, that was like that was the first women's bantamweight fight in three months. That's crazy. October was the last time we got a women's bantamweight bout in the UFC. And then we didn't get another one until January 14th. That just goes to tell you what this division looks like right now. We'll see if Julia Avila is ready to come back. Sometime this year, I mean, I don't know. I I don't hate Amanda's response to this. My fight was... Like, if she just wants to fight, go fight Aldana. And then the fight I wanted was Pennington versus Pena because there's heat there. So we'll just do that. And if Pena wins, she gets her win, and then she goes and fights Amanda again. But I don't know if everybody's going to be able to get what they want here, especially with with the way this division looks. So I don't have an issue with Amanda saying, no, nah, how about these two women fight, and I'll fight the winner. She did tell us after the Pena fight she's going to take a bunch of time off. So this isn't like a big shock.
2: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
3: Uh, let's go to Jordan. Hey Jordan, Mike, heck of a morning. Hello, sir. I just wanted to say thank you for the great watch long last weekend. I hadn't had a chance to get on yet this week. It was a great time. I hope you guys are getting some positive reception from it, and I just wanted to thank you for it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, okay. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Like I said... On the post show, and I said, even during the watch party itself, it was nice to just feel like it was like a normal pay-per-view fight night. Like, we didn't talk about the bullshit. We didn't let the negativity of the year take us down. We just sat back and watched fights, and it was nice. It was the most normal I have felt in this space all year, and it it was cool. I had a lot of fun. I'm very much looking forward to the next few because we had a great card in October. We had a stellar card in November. The December card was fine, but not great. This card was fine. Not a lot of star power, but now we get Makachev-Volkanovsky, and I can't wait for that fight. And then we get John Jones versus Cyril Ghosn. And then we get Leon versus Usman three and we get Justin fucking Gaethje against Raphael Fiziev. I mean, golly, we have a lot to look forward to as fans. Sorry. The Gaethje Fiziev fight just gives me goosebumps. So sometimes an F bomb will, will find its way into the sentence, but that fight is just the best. And I'm looking forward to those watch alongs because the cards are just bigger and there's bigger names and there's a lot more interaction with those types of cards, but the one cool thing about the watch party that I've realized is that we get like just as many views the next day as we get live. It's it's crazy. People, we get people who some some, some people are like watching the cards with us. Some have bought the pay per view. Some did not buy the pay per view. Not that I, not that I glorify that, but what we get is a lot of people who watch the card on Saturday and then on Sunday they just go back and watch the watch party because they already know what happened and they wanted to see our reactions. And it's it's pretty fascinating to see how the numbers fluctuate the next day and how many people actually rewatch the card from that aspect the next day. It's pretty, it's pretty cool, but I love doing them. GC's the GC's the man. Frank's the man, the staff, all the production crew is just amazing. And, I give those guys so much credit because I just fly in and sit down and talk, and those guys just do so much behind the scenes. It's just unbelievable. So shout out to all those guys. And gals too, by the way. Let's go to Ani. Hi, what's up, Ani? How are you? Yes, I can.
8: Uh, I cannot hear you. Um, if you can, I hear you. Oh, yes, I can hear you now. So. Uh, quick questions, really. Uh, do we know anything about UFC San Antonio? Because um, the card is getting stacked, but uh, what is the main event? Um, and another thing is, I have the UFC rankings on my screen right now, and for fuck's sake, they have Watch Power Slap Road to the title tonight at 10 p.m. right on top. Come on. Anyway, so... Um, I think by process of elimination, is Anthony Smith fighting either Johnny Walker or Jan Blahovich? Because on the Believe You Me podcast, he was saying that he has a fight booked. Yes, um, that is it for me. I mean, not a lot to get off my chest this time. No rants. So that's it.
3: Sorry, I've been muted the whole time. Um, appreciate that. The Power Slap promotion, like I mean, that's not surprising. That's not surprising. You have to try to build that audience, and to me, I think they're pay- they're probably paying for the TV spot. I don't know this for a fact, but I don't think this is TBS paying them to host their show. I think they're probably treating this like they did the first season of The Ultimate Fighter, where they found a time slot. They're pumping money into it, hoping that it's a success to the point where TBS is like, all right, this show is rules. We're going to bring you back and we'll, we'll pay for it. That's what I think this is. I don't know this for a fact, but it seems that way to me. As far as San Antonio goes, no idea what's going to headline that card. I have no idea. Let me pull that up and see where we're at right now. With this March 25th card, because it felt like it felt like maybe we would do the shafkot Jeff Neal fight in the main event spot, but obviously that's not happening anymore. Where are we at March 25th? There we go. Let's see: Andrew Lee Macy Barber, Chidi Dariyev, Holly Holm, Kunitskaya, Sean Brady, Michelle Paheda. I mean, that I'd watch the hell out of that for five rounds, if we're being honest. Vergara da Silva, Perez, Kopp, Pineda, Lutz, Giles, Parsons, Caceres, Landwehr, Peterson, Alexander. So what do we got? Ten fights? Yeah, I don't know what's going to headline that one. Maybe it's Anth- Maybe it's your Anthony Smith question. Maybe that's what it is. I would say... I don't think Anthony's going to fight Johnny Walker. I would say it's probably Jan Blahovic. Like, if I had to guess, but I don't know. It would seem that fight makes sense. Unless they want to do Blahovic uh, ankle live too, which I don't know how many people would be clamoring for that. And Smith could fight for the belt. Who knows? But it doesn't seem like that. So I would say Smith Blahovich is probably the direction they're going to go. Maybe that could headline this card. I don't. Know. I no. I don't know. And you would think if they book Smith Blahovich, then Ankalaev would be the guy if to fight Jamal Hill if Yuri isn't back in time. But this, this is this is why we say when we say this division is a mess. We're not like. We're not talking about the fighters. We're talking about just where it stands right now. It's just a mess because of this. It's just a mess. So we'll see what ends up happening. But, yeah, I, I have as far as San Antonio goes, no, no main event yet. But if we're going by what's there, it's probably Brady Pereira. Let's go to J.D. What's up, J.D.? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Awesome. So I was listening to the ranking show yesterday and a thought popped into my head. Uh, do you think that at this moment, looking back at both of the resumes, that Jamal Hill could potentially say that he has a better UFC record uh, or resume rather than uh, Yuri Prahaska? Uh And if possible, I'd love to know what Shiloh thinks about uh, this topic as well. I love how he always pipes in with his opinions. But uh, anyway, that's it for uh, me, man. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, Shadow's sleeping right now. So as long as nobody comes in and tries to open the door, he'll be okay. Is Jamal Hill's resume better than Yuri Prahashka's? No, because Jamal Hill is lost in the UFC and Yuri hasn't. The Paul Craig loss is a tough one. Like that one does not age well. Paul's a fun fighter. But that, that loss does not age well, and that was less than two years ago. Then he beats Jimmy Crute. Solid hands. He's not a top 15 guy, in my opinion. Good one over Johnny Walker. That one has aged pretty well. The Tiago Santos fight does not age all that well. And, in fact, if that was a three-round fight, Jamal Hill would have lost to Tiago Santos. And he looked spectacular against Glover Teixeira. I mean, that was his best performance. It was a, I I keep comparing it to the Cody Garbrandt, Dominic Cruz performance. Came out of nowhere. Him winning was not shocking, but the way he did it and the way he dominated Glover Teixeira bell to bell was incredible. It was incredible. But to me, because it's a divisive conversation right now, and we're going to talk about this a little more on BTL. It wasn't on the ranking show. I listened to maybe the first 25 minutes of it. So I know it's kind of a divisive conversation right now where if this person is the UFC champion, they should be the number one guy in the weight class. And I just don't think that's true in this case because this is a weird, unique, unicorn-esque case for divisional rankings. Because Yuri Prahashka is the champion. In my eyes, he is the champion. He, shouldn't, he should still have the belt. He was the champion less than a month ago. He was the champion. Well, that's not true. A little more than a month ago. In December, Yuri Prahashko was the champion. Sh- suffers a shoulder injury. They presented it the way that they did, that he vacated on his own. I don't think that's true. I think there was probably a little bit of a nudge-nudge. And they probably were like, we'll say you vacated instead of we stripped you. And he said, fine. That works. And... Now we're in the position we're at right now, and then they tried to do another title fight, and it went to a draw. And now Jamal Hill was kind of like the third or fourth option to fight for the belt. So it's just weird to me. This is just a different type of circumstance here, and I think is like Jamal Hill's really good. Him winning a title is not shocking. I just didn't, I didn't think he'd get there this quickly. But Glover retired, and I, I something tells me he probably is going to retire even if he won. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, to me, Yuri is the champion. That's how I view it. Yuri hasn't been beaten. I would pick Yuri to beat Jamal Hill. So, in my rankings, I have Jamal Hill number four. He's I have him at number four. And I don't think that's unfair. I really don't. I got Yuri at one. I got, I think I have Vadim Nemkov at two. And I would pick Vadim Nemkoff to beat Jamal Hill. And I would pick Maghaban Ankalayev who have a three to beat Jamal Hill. And this disrespect, this is just right now. And that's why I've been saying since Tuesday that where Jamal Hill goes from here is going to determine how he's viewed moving forward. If he goes and fights Moghaban Enkalaev and wins, he's he makes a strong case for the number one guy. If he fights Yuri Prahashka and wins, he's definitely the number one guy. But this win, is just it's just the way it, that it happens, the timing of it all, him stepping in on short notice, essentially, because they couldn't crown a champion in December. Because if, if the judges got it right and Ankoliyev won the belt, we're not even having this conversation right now. And I would still, even to this point, even now, if Ankoliyev had beaten... Jan Blachowicz, or vice versa, neither of those guys would have been my number one light heavyweight, because it still would have been Yuri Prahasha. So this whole notion that Jamal is being treated unfairly here, it's, it's just it didn't matter. Like, even if Glover won, he wouldn't have been my number one guy. He's, Yuri would have been. It's just the circumstance. So I don't think it's a disrespectful thing to Jamal Hill or any of these other guys. I think it's just a pat on the back to Yuri Prahashka and how good he is and how weird this whole situation is. So I if Jamal, need, Jamal Hill and it wants to use this as a chip on his shoulder moving forward, I get it. If he wants to feel like he's disrespected, I totally understand it. But I think whoever else won that title in that situation would have been in the same boat. They would not have been the number one guy in my rankings, tell you that right now. Because to me, Yuri's the, Yuri's the champion. If he's out for the whole year and doesn't fight again until like April of next year, different story. But seems like he's going to be back this year. So I still don't understand why he got stripped of the belt in the first place. Or why he vacated slash got stripped of the belt. It just doesn't make any sense. You could have easily just done an interim title at UFC 282 and carried an interim title over to UFC 283 and we're not even dealing with this horseshit right now because Jamal would be probably in the same boat as the interim champion making the same money but not feeling completely disrespected. So the, the, the whole thing's weird. It's just a strange, just unique circumstance. That's all it is. It's not a disrespected Jamal thing. It's just, it's just how we view Yuri Prahashka. more than anything. Let's go to George and we'll go to squid. They'll go to Cameron. And then I got to get out of here. What's up, George.
9: How are you? Yeah. I just wanted to talk a couple of things real quick. Uh, Number one, if you could fill us in on what is going on with Israel Adesanya, I asked you about him like a week ago. And since then, it looks like we're more likely to get a, a, um, a Jamal Hill, Yiri Prohashka, I'm sorry, Jamal Hill, Alex Pededa fight, than we are in Adesanya rematch, which to me sounds, I mean, I can't believe this. Why is it not Adesanya saying, hey, hold on, guys, I'm next. But we haven't heard a word from Adesanya. Is he not ready? Is there some injury that we don't know about? Or is he just taking a nice long layoff after a shocking loss? That's my first question. And my second question, I don't know if you've been following the UFC London um, situation in terms of the tickets, UFC Rio in terms of the tickets. But the UFC has really raised, has jacked up prices dramatically since the pandemic ended. And there's nothing to justify it because it's not like suddenly it's three times more expensive to put on a show. It's not like the fighters are being paid three times more than they were before the pandemic or during the pandemic. It's just the UFC, price gouging you haven't we haven't been in your town in three years well now we're we we are going to triple the prices and you are going to pay whatever we we charge because you're so desperate for a card well guess what it's starting to backfire in the ufc because that that ufc real card that that crowd was like 80 percent. was like 20 percent empty why because of the ticket prices because they started the show like at the, the main event started like at one o'clock two o'clock in the morning and you look at All of MMA Twitter today, people talking about the UFC London ticket prices, outrageous. And what bothers me is the hypocrisy. Dana White loves to complain about boxing and boxing, um, their price gouging, and how he says every boxing fight is like a going out of business sale. Well, that's what this sounds like to me in terms of the ticket prices. You're not building a future you're just, well, how much can we charge today? And if, if we, we end up losing fans because of it, the UFC should be a sport for the middle class, for the working class, for the working poor, the working middle class. Instead, it's like now the tickets are only for the extremely well-off. These are not the fans who you use to build a sport like the UFC in terms of the long-term health of the UFC. I think this price, uh, this, this ticket situation might come back and bite the UFC in the ass. Thank you, sir. As far as Izzy goes,
3: I have no no idea. I also am happy to give Izzy a pass at this point because he fought three times last year and just fought in November, two months ago. So, if he wants to take some time, go for it. I don't, unless like the UFC really needs to fill a spot, like real bad. I don't think Alex Pereira is going to fight Jamal Hill. I don't. I don't think it happens. Alex Pereira has plenty of things to do at 185 right now. If he doesn't fight Izzy, he can fight Robert Whitaker. It's a big-ass fight. But you would have to think they go to Izzy, and if Izzy's ready to come back in, like, July or something, then so what? Like, who cares? Not the end of the world. Izzy fought three times last year. As far as the ticket prices go, listen, I feel for him. I'm not shocked by it. Um, and it didn't seem to really slow London down at all. I saw a screenshot, I think it was Jedi Goodman, where somebody was like 43,000th on the waiting list to get tickets, so, like, they're going to be fine. Is there going to be certain cards that could hurt them, like the Brazil one? It seems like it, but all in all, is it going to, like, cripple them? No. And take it from a guy who lived in Boston for 35 years. Every year... Red Sox ticket prices go up. Every year, Patriots tickets prices go up. Every year, Celtics prices go up. Every year, Bruins prices go up. That's what happens. When you become synonymous with winning and success, you're going to have ticket prices that go up. I remember the year before the Celtics made those big moves and got Garnett and... Ray Allen, and they were really starting to make them, something happen. They, the, the big three, and they built a the championship team. That Celtics team sucked. I mean, they were awful. They sucked. And I went to like twenty games that year because they sucked, and no one wanted to go. No one wanted to go. So you could get Celtics tickets for like twelve bucks. And if we were just sitting around, me and my buddies, like, oh, what should we do today? Like oh, we can get eight tickets for the Celtics at twelve bucks a piece, and we would go. It would it, we would just go, and then they went went go on and went. They win championships, and then the prices go up, and then they win a bunch and go to the playoffs, and the prices go up. Then they go to the finals last year, and the prices go up again. Like that's just how it is, and it sucks. Like I get where you're coming from. Like you've been waiting all this time. You went through a pandemic. UFC started to travel again. They're starting to come to your town, and you're like, oh, baby, let's go. And then you look at the ticket price, you're like, oh, maybe not. Yeah, I'm not surprised by it. And I honestly, I don't really fault the UFC for it. Um, you may not want to hear that answer, but just the same example that I just gave about Boston, it's supply and demand. And if you're killing it, and people are willing to pay the prices, then they would rather do that. But I will say this from someone who's attended – Many of sporting events, including the UFC as a fan, I, think the, I mean I think you should go once. I think you should go once and check it out. But I honestly think the, I, I actually think it's better watching on TV. I think it's better watching on TV. I think football is better watching on TV. I've been to many Patriots games. They're fun. You don't go for the game, you go for the experience of tailgating and eating food for like four hours before you go into the stadium. Like that's the experience to me. But I would rather sit at home and watch the Patriots play rather than freeze my balls off at Gillette Stadium in January. That's just me. Basketball, I think it's better watching on TV. The one sport I feel is better live is hockey. Like, if, so, if it was the difference between watching a Bruins game on TV and going live to watch the Bruins, to me, hockey is the best sport to attend live. That's just me. Not everybody feels that way. But that's just me. And even then, going to a Bruins game, especially now, wait till next year as a Bruins fan. This Bruins team might be the best hockey team in the history of the NHL when it's all said and done. They might be. Ticket prices are going to go through the roof. It's just, that's sports, man. It's stupid. But... They're going to get what they want. Maybe not in Brazil, but most places. London's going to sell out, 100%. London is going to sell out. T-Mobile is going to sell out for John Jones. They're all going to sell out. Brazil, maybe not. But we're not going to, like, gone are the years where they're going to Lincoln, Nebraska for a UFC card. Gone are the years where they're going to Rochester, New York for a UFC card. Those, those days are over, I think. It's major cities from here on out. Inflated prices, and it just kind of goes with the history of sport ticket prices. Success leads to higher prices. If the UFC has some tough, like, really tough times, and they're getting, like, it's just a ton of bad press, they have a bunch of awful cards in a row, and just one thing after another after another happens against them, and they're not selling out arenas anymore... they'll lower the prices and then when things pick back up and they get more of a positive presence then they'll raise them back up again I mean that's just how sports works to me and I feel like you know being a Boston sports fan and going to all those games and experiencing all of that the ups and the downs it's similar with the UFC it's similar with the UFC you probably don't like that answer and I I do feel bad for people who have to spend a ton of extra money but just go once, experience it, and then you never have to go again. You can just watch it on TV. I think it's way better watching on TV. Squid, hello. Squid Vicious, are you there? No, you are not. All right, Lewis, take us home because I got to go. Got BTL in a little over an hour. Lewis, are you there? Unmute yourself.
9: We were. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye.
3: I mean, what a way to end it, right? I mean, just a angelic singing voice. I will say that. So I'll I'll give you props for that. Uh, I don't think we can get any better than that. We had a Grammy award-winning singer come on here and, and just sing his heart out. And it can't get much better than that. So uh, thank you all very much. I appreciate you. Join myself, Jed Mishu, Brian Campbell, 12.30 p.m. Eastern for BTL. We'll be back here tomorrow. We'll do it again, free for all Friday. We can open the floodgates up a little bit and talk about MMA. We can talk about whatever the hell you want. Uh, so we'll see you back then, 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. But until then, everybody, we'll see you at 1230 for BTL. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning.